Last week we had a chance to get started in the text, and uh, as I told you, it's, it's, it's not an easy one to just zip into and, and get the whole picture in, you know, 35, 40 minutes. It's, there's just too much in this text, folks, and I really believe that we are in a time period right now, and as we mentioned a men's retreat, there's, there's a time period right now where there's an uneasiness that is going on in people's minds, their hearts, and the last thing that most people are saying are, is, I absolutely have a total peace about this, no problem, I sleep at night, zero problem. That's not what we're hearing, and that's because it's, don't know if I have a job next week, I, I'm burdened about my health, I'm burdened for my kids, or a situation within family, and the list goes on with how burdens are there. Now, the key that we're looking at is how is there this miraculous peace that happens inside of the individual's mind? And sometimes we even hear people say, but preacher, I've prayed about it and I still don't have a peace. Anybody gone through that before? Okay. And I've had some say it took a lot of prayer, days of prayer, for the real peace to start coming. And today what I want to do is get into some of the, the practical parts about all of this. Because with work and finances and relationships and hurt relationships, health problems, decision making children and grandchildren and fears and, and all these things that weigh on us so heavily, God tells us that when we have a burden, what we are first to do is to not try to handle it ourselves, but in 1 Peter 5, he tells us to cast all of our cares upon him, that's God, because of his care for us. And there is something that happens when we truly let go of it because we can't handle it. It's too big, too much for us. And then we decided to give it to the God of the universe. And what is so big in our minds, God says, I can handle that one. That is not a problem. Now the question is, but how do we take those things that we are full of care about, the anxiety is it used, is some translated, be careful for nothing, the anxiety is there, the burdens and the worries, how do we take that and, and tangibly off of our shoulders and give it to God? The only way I can see in the scriptures is through prayer. It's, it's got to be prayer. And even in the text, he gets right into the prayer part of it all. And this is where many of us as Christians, I raise my hand, that's like number four or five on the list of things to do when all of a sudden we have issues at hand. First thing we do, especially guys, is we try to fix it. And after we fail to fix it and usually make things worse, then we go through other you know, avenues of trying to get this whole thing fixed. And then when we finally go through all of the things that we have up our sleeve and it doesn't work, then we, oh yeah, Lord, I'm supposed to talk to you about this, aren't I? It's like that's down on the list of when we really do what we're supposed to do first. Pray. Now, you say, but what happens when I 
pray and I'm saying, Lord, I can't handle this. Take it your, you know, unto yourself. Why is it that, that we sometimes, as individuals, after we're done praying, we stop and we say, but I don't feel any different. And that's real. I've been there. And I know this is you know, maybe elementary for, for some of you, but folks, we, we, we see people burdened and this goes on off for years and years of this unsettled thing that is back here that has been brewing that we just can't get over. And I want to talk to you a little bit about some practical things of why it is possible. The first thing I want to talk about today is this. As we come to God, we have to remember that God is not some puppet on a string for us to to talk to and say, okay, God, you have to see it my way and fix it just exactly the way I see it. Wrong perspective of God and self. Matter of fact, as we're coming to God, one of the very first things in the prayer should be an evaluation of self before we bring the request. Because if there is something between our hearts and God... God is not obligated then to answer that prayer. And this, this is where you know, I get people upset, but you know, folks, if we won't evaluate and judge our own hearts to see if our walk with God is there or it's not, and if we choose not to get it right, then God is like, hey, why don't you get this straightened up first, and then let's have a little talk. Look back with me to Proverbs 28, classic verses. Matter of fact, you remember this one in Discipleship 1. Many of you have gone through in the subject of prayer. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28 and verse number 9. Book of Wisdom. So God's got some advice for us here. He, I'm sorry, Proverbs 28, verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law... Even his prayer shall be an abomination. Now what you're seeing here is that the word of God, which is the law, is coupled with prayer. That as we are hearing the scriptures, and we're hearing what a Christian is to be or not to be, and we say, God, that's not for me. That's a cultural thing. Or we come up with all these excuses why I, I, it doesn't apply to me. And God says, if we turn our ear from the word... Then when we come to God, he says, this is something that is absolutely detestable to me. And, and it's almost like that uh, abomination where he will throw it out because it's worthless. Because God is not, is, he, listen, he is interested in our hearts. So verse 13 picks up this very same thought. Verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. The mercy is applied as we come to God and we ask for mercy from God. It's part of your prayer. And God is saying that just like, remember Achan? Remember how he took of the accursed thing and uh, he tried to hide it and then when Israel went into war, they lost and it was because there was sin in the camp. You see, folks, there are times, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, Joshua comes to God, it's like, Lord, you know, we, you know we're, we're supposed to be winning here. You know, this is supposed to be victorious. And he's on his knees, and God says, not the time to pray. 
Get off your knees or sin in the camp. Go get it cleaned up. And it's as though, then come back to me. In other words, there's a time for us to refrain from talking to God if we know that there is something going on between ourselves and others or ourselves in our walk with the Lord, and then we get those things squared away, and then we come to the Lord. And sometimes there are Christians that are frustrated with their prayer life, and what they're doing is that their approach to prayer is wrong. See, the time that I have in prayer is not gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. The prayer in, with God is a sincere, Lord, open my heart and mind to what you are doing in my life. Let me see the circumstances. Let me evaluate what are you doing in your plan for me in my life and let me open myself up. And there's times I'm in the Word or I'm in prayer and I come under conviction. And it's not fun, is it? I mean, sometimes it's pretty serious, that God's trying to say, listen, we want, I want to talk and I want to have this communion and I'd like to give you this peace, but until you finally put me first, it's not going to happen. Listen, I've said this before. Sorry if I'm a broken record at times, but the most miserable person on this earth is not the unsaved drunken bum or drug dealer. The most miserable person on this earth is a Christian out of fellowship with God miserable just just torn inside it's like oh there's this constant you know drug dealers like good i got another you know somebody died who cares you know they live for themselves they're not miserable they care less the christian has the spirit of god inside dealing with the mind and the convictions of doing things right you say so you're telling me if i become a christian i could become more miserable Yeah, <laughs> isn't life fun? But what God's trying to say is if we do the right thing and walk in fellowship with God, then it, it's just a beautiful life, and that's what we're talking about. The circumstances are horrible, but I still have a peace in my mind, and that's where God wants you to be. So to be carnally minded is enmity with the Lord. We're, you know, we're trying to deal with all this whole world thing, and we're loving that thing, and we're loving it more than God, then we're miserable. You know, we're battling God. There's this battle going on right here. And so God's trying to say, why don't you just talk to me, and let's get the life straightened up, and then once we get the life straightened up, then all of a sudden the peace can start coming into the life. But if we don't confess our sin, it, it's a mess. This is what we do as guys. Ladies, let me explain to you men. I'm one of them, okay? This is what we do. We have an issue. That's ah, okay. I'll forget that. Then another issue comes up, you know, something that's done that upsets us. Um, uh, I'm getting frustrated, but I can live with this. And all of a sudden, about eight, ten things start piling up. And all of a sudden, you know what we do, guys? What do we do? We explode. We blow up. Man, I can't believe all these things have been going on. The next and this and this and this and this. And she's like... Where did this all come from? I didn't know that you were you know, subduing all these feelings and now you're exploding and mad at me and I didn't even know you were upset. You were just smiling with me a little bit ago. And it's just like, what happened? But if we deal with it one at a time, and just say, honey, you know that toothpaste? And they make these caps that go over top so that your hair doesn't go all over it and it's like really, really filthy and dirty. And I don't like that. Instead of dealing with it one at a time, my wife doesn't do that. I just want you to know that. But, 
we have two different toothpastes. <laughs> See, there's ways of getting around these issues too, guys. I'm, I'm, this is therapy, I'm telling you. We're helping you today. And so, so you deal with it one at a time instead of letting it pile up. But you know what? That's exactly what we do as Christians. Instead of when something is there, attitude is wrong, we said something we shouldn't, you know, just whatever it is that we're dealing with, instead of saying, Lord, that was wrong, and I'm sorry for that, and maybe apologizing to somebody because you said something mean to them, you know, instead of apologizing, well, they'll have to deal with it, you know, they'll forget it. No, 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 you hurt, you go, man. You talk to them, get it right. And then it's done. But instead, we let it pile up, and then you hit the altar up here or at your house, and you're like, God, I am so out of control, I don't even know how I'm going to get back in control anymore. Don't let yourself do that. One at a time. And we love that classic verse of 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there are times that we need to get our hearts right with each other also. Hence, 1 Peter 3, classic verse for the men. Sorry, men, we get to pick on us today a little bit. So he says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, that is your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Guys and ladies, if our hearts are not right with each other, when we come to God, God says, I'm more interested in you two getting your things right before you come to me. Because if this isn't right, this isn't right. That's between God and you. And so when we come to it, now listen, there are situations I know of currently in this room where you want your spouse to, to, to be you know, living for the Lord or your children to be living for the Lord. But the key is this, listen, even though people may be upset or ought, at ought with you, doesn't interfere your prayers as long as you have attempted to get that relationship right, as long as your heart is right with God. Are you following me? Because there's always going to be enemies out there. There's always going to be people that you just can't get along with or they don't want to get along with you. I'm not talking about that. You do what you can to make the relationship right and whether they accept the apology, whether they forgive you or not, that's not what, what is relevant. You go and you say, I'm sorry. And God says, now that's what I want you to do. Obedience then creates a proper relationship and channel then to God where sin puts this wedge in there. It turns the damper and now all of a sudden it can't flow. So all of a sudden, we open this thing up, and, and guess what? That, that flows right up to the Lord, and that's what He wants. And so every time we come to God, somewhere in the midst of it, we should be checking our own hearts out. Because I do have needs. I do. And you have needs. But the key is not coming and say, God, in Jesus' name, you're supposed to do this, so you better do it. No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that's, that's not proper prayer. That's wrong attitude. And you're just waiting for lightning to hit, man. You don't want to go that route. God is not a puppet. He is sovereign. He's not the man upstairs. Our sound men are the man upstairs. Okay? He's God. He is almighty. He's powerful. And we get the privilege of talking to our creator. So, let's get our hearts right. And then, when we come to God and say, Lord, I'm anxious. I'm full of cares. 
I want to cast it onto you. And then through prayer, and that's what Philippians 4 is all about. When we call on him, that's when the answer then, the peace that passes all understanding, shall come through the hearts and minds, and it's through Christ Jesus. Uh, the second thing, look, at, look with me to the Psalms again. And uh, chapter 119. Psalm 119. I've heard this verse quoted like lots of times. And we are near the end of Psalm 119. It's 176 verses. And we're looking at 165. Okay? I'd get Stan up here to quote it, but uh, he's already been there, done that. Right? Yeah. So, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I've heard that quote. My preacher used to quote that verse all the time. And he would talk about there should be a peace and everything going on inside of the hearts and minds of the people. And nothing is going to offend them. But that's the part they never explained. They always said, great peace have they which love thy law. So you've got to love God and then nothing will offend. As a side note. Well, what's that offense? What do you mean nothing is going to offend me? I mean nothing. Does that mean my feelings will never get hurt? Or I'll never allow somebody to hurt my feelings. That has nothing to do with the text. I'll hurt your feelings, you'll hurt my feelings. Zero to do with the word offense in the scriptures. That's how we, you've, you've offended me. You know, you've hurt my feelings. I can't believe, that is not what the word offend in the scriptures is talking about. It's not the feely, touchy American dream of I want everything to be, you know. This, this is dealing with nothing shall cause the individual to depart out of the good ways of God. I like that translation. Nothing shall cause them to depart out of the good ways of God. You are not going to be deterred. Go away. Nothing shall disturb their mind because it is stayed upon the word of God. Nothing is going to deter you. Remember in uh, Matthew, when Jesus goes through the parable of the sower, how there was one, as they received the word, it was great, it was going in good directions, but the problem was, because it couldn't get deep roots, he actually says that because of tribulation and persecution, as a result of the word of God, because they did not have root, they are offended, and they go away. Mm. So what God's trying to say is this, whenever you start falling in love with the Word of God, uh, you're going to be attacked. People aren't going to like you very much. Oh, you're one of those. You're a Christian. You know, you have your Bible verse on top of your desk, you know, at work, or, you know, have a calendar over there, you know, it has a Bible verse. Oh, you're one of those weird people. Okay, yeah. So all of a sudden, the negatives start coming. And no matter what, people will say, the tribulations, uh, the persecutions, anything that comes your way, you're not going to be moved because you have a root that is into the Word of God that, that allows you to be, as he says in Psalm, Psalm 1, that they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in a season. The leaves shall not wither, but shall prosper. And the, the list goes on. And why is that all done? Because the law, because of the Word of God. And they are rooted into the Word of God. And so the first part of it is great peace. Great. Not just, I'm okay with this. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay with this. Great peace have they which love thy law. 
So the key is, are you in love with the Word of God as a Christian? You say, are you telling me that it is possible that if I don't love the Word of God, if I'm not in and reading the Word of God, that I may not have peace? You got it. A plus for you today. So you're telling me if I'm in the Word and growing in the Word and loving it, that there will be a peace that starts coming into my heart? A plus. You're getting it. It is not that hard. But the problem is, it's not just, okay, let me read Psalm 23 again. No, no, no. no. We're, we're not talking about just the generic, you know, basics. We're talking about, that means you actually have to work. You have to be in the Word, studying it, reading it, trying to implement, as was prayed, the mind of Christ, that we would take it upon ourselves, and once that is there, we start looking, looking at the adversity, and all of a sudden, we can have a joy, because we're able to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You say, but you don't know what they did to me. Nothing compared to what they did to Jesus. You following me? Everything here, folks, is temporary. I got a final, remember I told you last week about decisions? I can't make a decision about a car. I still couldn't make a decision about a car, but I got a car. You know why? I was a real man. I asked my wife. <laughs> I said, honey, I can't make the decision. This is an out-of-body experience. She said, Carl, you need to get this one. I said, thank you. That's all I needed to hear. And then I got another car. That's a true story. You know, I didn't have a piece. That, which leads me into the next point. There are times that we need seasoned saints around us. God uses other people. And sometimes you're wrestling with things, decisions, or, you know, you know, all of a sudden you get the word from the doctor, hey, guess what? You know, you got cancer, you got this. So all of a sudden, the first thing you're doing is trying to find somebody else out there that's gone through the exact same thing. Okay? I was up seeing uh, Mary. I'm looking out at... Uh, Arlene and, and Dennis and, and her mom, Mary, uh, you know, she's just going downhill real fast. We went up and prayed with her yesterday. And all of a sudden, you have all of these issues, heavy things that are on your heart. And so guess what? God, God is leading you at times to go to seasoned Christians to get advice and help that is going to help you then in your mind to come to a conclusion. Or, you know, there's times I have to tell people, here you thought you were crazy and you're not. Because times, people are going through things and they think, I'm the only one that feels this way or the only one that's going through this and this is heavy on me. And then to find out, oh, you're going through this too? Oh, you got through this also? How did you do this? And that's where that, that principle in 1 Corinthians 10 where it says, there's no sin taken to you but such as is common to man. It's the same across the board. You know, right in here, we can have a raising of hand. How many got laid off in the last month? You know, hands go up. How many of you have health issues? The hands go up. You know, how many have both? You know, the hands go up. And, and, and these are real, real things. Let's look at some Proverbs. It's Proverbs 24. And I hope you're okay with this, but I am not in a hurry through through this subject that we're dealing with right now because the, the scriptures are full of wisdom and ways of, of helping us. Proverbs 24. Let's look at verse number 6. Again, classic verses. Proverbs 24, verse 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in 
multitude of counselors, there is, what's the word? There's a safety. So all of a sudden, you get out there and you start talking to individuals because there's something major going on. War is like a major thing. And all of a sudden, it's talk and talk to individuals who have gone through the battles of life themselves to say there's a time to fight and there's a time not to fight. There's a time to answer, there's a time not to answer. It's not all just cut and dry. And all of a sudden, you talk to some seasoned people about what's going on, and all of a sudden, you're going to start getting the, this haven about you, a safety. And I like the word safety because God is saying, I want you right there secure and safe in your situation. So listen, you know the easiest way of saying it? You have to realize to have peace in your heart that you are not alone. You are not alone. There are people to talk to, to get encouragement, to pray with you, to give you their life's experiences, and then you're able to start taking them into your life and you're going to say, you know what, they told me this, and bang, right there it is. They were right. And all of a sudden, that creates a safety inside of your mind and heart. By the way, there's been advice by the world that's been given over the last years that, was, that failed. You know, they, I, I was talking to somebody you know, with, with the financial thing. Remember about, I don't know, four years ago, whatever, all these commercials out there about, oh, don't worry about the right now. You have to look at the long term of your investments. And why do they keep throwing that at you? Long term, not short term. Don't worry about making a lot of money now. It's a long term. Well, long term, it just went in half, man. <laughs> long term, all of a sudden, that 150 is down to 50, and it's like hurts a lot of people. That was really bad advice. And some people surprisingly had the wisdom to get out of it when they were saying, dude, it's almost like you want to do the opposite of what they're telling you to do. And you might be okay. Are you following me? Wise counsel. Not selfish counsel. A Christian is going to give you advice that's not for themselves. It's going to be what's best for you. That's, it's the scriptures. Well, here's where the Bible applies this to, to your life. And then the key is this. You apply it. You obey what you're being told, whether you like it or not. The Word of God, is, it doesn't always taste like honey. Sometimes it's bitter. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it changes things. And you have your mind set. And all of a sudden the council is saying, man, you're going this direction. You better change that. You know, the old preachers used to say, if, the, if you're rubbing the cat the wrong way, turn the cat around. <laughs> you know? If it rubs you wrong, turn around. Go the right way. It's amazing when you go with the grain. You try to rub your cat backwards sometime. <laughs> turn the cat around. I like that one. Look at chapter 27. Twenty-seven, seventeen. One of these years, I'm going to get the courage to walk through Proverbs here at the church. It's so fun. Just, I just love the Proverbs. I'm just looking around at what we're reading about the continual dropping. and all. That's just great fun. Look at, look, let's keep focus. Verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Your lifestyle is all of a sudden changed. Um, by the way, this week I've got appointments with every day except for tomorrow with men in this church. 
And, and as I do that, what we're doing is we're talking about things that we're learning in the, script, in the scriptures. We're praying together, getting prayer requests, and we're going through different issues that are going on in our lives. And what we're doing, you say, well, preacher, you're the counselor. You, you talk the whole time, right? No, 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 no. All right, I try to talk as little as I can. And I want to learn from them. Find out what their thoughts are, where they're at in the scripture, where they're at in, in prayer, witnessing of, you know, things that are going on in life. And I listen there's times, yeah, I do engage and I talk and I share some things and give me maybe some guidance. And sometimes I'll oppose what they're saying and what they're thinking. So I'll say, you know what? I disagree with you. You know, I think, I think it's this way. But what happens is when it says iron, sharpen, iron sharpens iron, it's actually the friction that actually sharpens. And there's times that we're not opposing each other, but we're just like, but did you see it this way? almost opposite of what we are trying to, to think. And all of a sudden, that friction and that rubbing makes us sharper that we're able to cut. The Word of God is a two-edged sword, right? Able to cut, dividing, and it deals with the mind, the spirit, and it starts affecting us. Christians, don't be afraid of going to wise counsel. Now, i got to wind down here. Now, listen to me. Uh, I talked about this in Sunday school. There was this guy years ago. And I, uh, yeah, she's middle age. And uh, don't be thinking, oh, I think I know. It's not, it doesn't matter who it was, okay? Just follow my illustration, okay? So, so this, this gal is going through marriage problems, and she decides to go get some counsel. And it was kind of funny to me who, what, what counseling started coming that person's way. After it was all said and done, and the counsel was pretty much divorce and get rid of the deadbeat, I stopped and talked to her, and I said, let me ask you a question. Did you ever talk to Fran Craig about that? And I said, what do you think Fran would, advise, would have advised you the last two years to do? I said, let me get current. Let me talk about somebody your age. Did you talk to Tarla Babar about it? No. I said, huh. Isn't that amazing that you surrounded yourself with people that are going to agree with what you were saying instead of rubbing you the wrong way and telling you what you needed to hear, get your heart right with God, that is unbiblical, don't do it. Instead of doing that, they go to people that are going to surround themselves with people telling them what they want to hear and pitying them. I don't pity that. That's dumb. I go to people that are going to tell me most likely the opposite. That's why I love Dan. Dan, I love you, Dan. You know why I love Dan? Honestly, I am so glad he's back on the deacon board. You know why? He thinks different. And he'll usually come in at an angle that is way over here. Okay? And he got that from his daddy probably, right, John? Amen! Amen! And you know what? We laugh about that, but I'm as serious as can be. Because if everybody thinks it's just this way, aren't we limited in our scope? The wisdom doesn't come from cut and dry. It comes from observing from all angles. Experiences. Because he's gone through things and experiences. John's gone through things and experiences that it may be over here something that we're not thinking And that's a good thing. 
And guess what? I thanked him the other day. I said, I said, Dan, you brought something up. And I said, I thank you for doing that. First, first night on as a deacon. It's a good thing. And I told you. And I do appreciate what you said. And even though it may have rubbed me different or wrong, it needed to be said. That's the real Christian life. And then all of a sudden, when you get this counsel, and you see it in the scriptures, and all of a sudden you begin to apply it, your mind is not on the situations, it's on truth. And Lord willing, a couple of weeks, that's where we're heading to with this whole thing. We have to, be start, have to begin starting to, to think about, but what's the truth? What's the reality? What's the pure and lovely and just things to be thinking on? Instead of all of these obscure, weird thoughts out there that the mind has a tendency to do, and all of a sudden we're panicking about things that we are not even supposed to be panicking about. And then we don't have peace, and we're all wrestling inside of our minds. And so, counsel. Now, there's people that I, they will, they'll talk to me or they'll talk to other people in this church, and before they make major decisions, they will call me. Or they will call a deacon. They will call somebody just to bounce it off of them. Because what they don't want to do is make a major purchase or do something on their own. And all of a sudden, they didn't think it through. And now they got to pay for it. And then there's no peace because you got to pay for it. And we're dealing with finances here. We're talking about work. So get counsel. You know, sometimes I wish people would just have asked me. There was this one guy, he went into business with another guy, never called me because he knows what I would have told him. First question I would have said, is a guy a Christian? And he would have told me no. Sure enough, he went into business. This is years and years ago. And he's sitting in my office saying, uh, do you know any way of uh, getting about $50,000? So why? He goes, well, we're going belly up and we got to... The guy hasn't been paying the taxes, hasn't been paying the employees properly, withholding money and do all this. I said, well, that's what you get for getting in, going into a business with an unsaved guy. Anything he's worried about is himself. And he said, what am I supposed to do? I said, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? I, I'm not going to write him a check for, for the money. Are you? You know, it's like, what are you, you going to do? I said, you better pray. You better get out of this relationship. Cut it off because you went against the scriptures. And there was no peace in his life because he didn't seek godly counsel because the godly counsel would have told him to do something opposite of what he wanted to do in the flesh because he was thinking dollar signs. And what he was hoping to get was just the opposite of what he actually got. And say again, the riches, he, he got poor. Listen. Sometimes our decisions need to be based on godly counsel because they're going to tell us the right thing is iron sharpens iron. It's going to change what we do, which is going to give us peace in the long run. This is practical, but I'm telling you folks, it works. Hence, I asked my wife. I said, honey, I'm sitting in this one car and I, and I drove two others and I said, honey, I have zero peace. I don't know what to do. You know, this had this advantage. This one had another advantage. This one had another advantage. They would all been just fine cars, but I got to live with this thing for like the next 10 years. 
So she's like, Carl, now listen, practically, look what this one has that these don't have, and it's only about like $900 more, and look at all the extras you're getting, the ride is better, all the bells and whistles that you actually wanted, and these don't have that. Carl, this is like a no-brainer. And I said, you're absolutely right. <laughs> My wife had me spend more money. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I got bells and whistles through all of this. And when we were done, because it was funny, because the first car I ever bought, I know, i got to wind down, but I'm in a storytelling mood. So the first car I buy, I'm 16 years old. My, my mom thought I was so excited about buying the car. I ran out after I signed the papers, and she thought he couldn't wait to get in the car. That's not what happened. I went out and threw up. <laughs> I kid you not. And that was a joke at the car dealership. You know, it's like, you're not going to throw up here, are you? I mean, this is no peace at all when it comes to cars. I, mean, I can buy a house, zero problem, you know. But when it comes to cars, for some reason, you know. And all of a sudden, I, I'm, she says, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> and I'm okay. And there's these little things in life that create all of this anxiety. I don't know what to do. Well, there's your list of helps to get you to that place of point. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I do pray you'll bless. We've seen concepts, and now, Lord, it is ours to apply it. And Lord, until we have you first, until we take your word serious, we get our hearts right with you and each other, get that counsel, Lord. There, there's so many ways of getting it and getting peace. So help us, Lord. Now, Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. Until we have Christ in our hearts, you've told us that there is no peace with you. So you tell us, having made peace through the blood of your cross, I pray that if there's any here this day that have not trusted Christ, have not created that peace with you, that today will be the day of salvation for them. Bless now, in Jesus' name, amen.